Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Shifting gears to international politics, Abby, how about this recent report from Taiwan? It seems China is trying to influence Taiwanese politics in a rather unusual way. Yes, it's a fascinating story. China, according to sources and documents, has been sponsoring cut-price trips to the mainland for hundreds of Taiwanese politicians. And this is happening just ahead of key elections in Taiwan. It's certainly a novel approach to what some are calling election interference. And it's not just a handful of politicians. We're talking about hundreds of them. The scale of this operation is quite surprising. Right. And the timing is also significant. The upcoming elections in Taiwan could redefine the island's relations with China. Now, Taipei is worried that Beijing might try to sway voters towards candidates who favor closer ties with China. The fact that this is happening so openly... It's quite audacious, isn't it? And it's not just the politicians who are being lured by these subsidized trips. Local opinion leaders such as borough chiefs and village heads are also being targeted. Yes, and these are people who play key roles in shaping public opinion. They're being given discounts on accommodations, transportation, meals, and all this appears to be subsidized by China's Taiwan Affairs Office. It's a clear example of soft power, isn't it? But it's also a clear violation of Taiwanese law, which forbids election campaigns from receiving money from external hostile forces, including China. And it seems the authorities are taking this seriously. Prosecutors in southern Taiwan are already investigating potential violations but building a legal case might not be so easy, given the difficulty of establishing a money trail and proving what was said during meetings with Chinese officials. And let's not forget, there are no restrictions on individuals visiting China. Yes, it's a complex issue, but it does raise questions about the extent of China's influence over Taiwan's elections and whether these tactics could actually sway the vote. What's your take, Abby? It's hard to say, Michael but it does highlight the delicate balance of power in the region. And it's a reminder that in politics, influence isn't just about military might or economic power, but also about subtler forms of persuasion. From the intriguing world of international politics, we now turn our attention to the domestic political landscape. The question of influence is not limited to Taiwan and China. It's also at the heart of a contentious debate in the state of Georgia. Here, The issue is not about sponsored trips, but about the drawing of political maps. Let's delve into this complex issue. Abby, let's delve into the political landscape of Georgia. The GOP lawmakers there are pushing for revised political maps. What's your take on this? Well, Michael, the Republicans are fast-tracking new district maps, which the Democrats argue don't comply with a federal court order to create seven new majority black legislative districts. The deadline for the new maps is December 8th, set by U.S. District Court Judge Steve C. Jones. And these maps are crucial for the 2024 election. What's interesting is how the GOP lawmakers are arguing that their maps do comply with the court mandate. They're carving out seven new majority black districts in areas like Metro Atlanta and Macon-Bibb County. But... Right. But the Democrats are countering that their redistricting plan is more likely to withstand judicial scrutiny. If the state doesn't adopt new maps by next week, the court could end up drawing up Georgia's new districts. That's a significant point, Abby. 
There's been criticism from voting rights groups and Democratic legislators over the GOP-drawn maps. The issue is that they shift a large number of black voters from predominantly black districts to create new majority black district boundaries. Yes, and Judge Jones ruled last month that Georgia's Republican-controlled legislature violated the Voting Rights Act of 1965 when it redrew voting maps in 2021. This redrawing allegedly diluted the power of black voters. Let's talk about the demographic changes in Georgia. The 2020 census count showed Georgia's rapid growth over the previous decade was largely due to an influx of black people and other minorities. This is a critical factor in- Yes, it's a critical factor in the redistricting. Now, Gainesville Republican Shelley Eccles, who chairs the Senate Reapportionment and Redistricting Committee, said that the revised GOP map follows the court's order by increasing the majority black districts from 13 to 15. But Senate Minority Leader Gloria Butler, a Democrat, presented a 56-district map that only affects the 10 districts that Jones identified as being racially discriminatory to black voters. Abby, what's the Democrat strategy here? Well, they're proposing to form a new District 16 that would encompass portions of Fayette County, South Fulton County, and Northeast Coweta County along I-85. Approximately 52% of the new district's residents would be Black voting age population. And this isn't the only district they're proposing, right? They're also looking to create another new district that is expected to give a slight edge of 51% to Black voters in a suburban South Atlanta district. Correct, Michael. Democrats are also proposing to form a new majority Black district by shifting residents from Southwest Henry into a district that includes Stockbridge, Locust Grove, and Hampton. This is in response to a steep increase in Black residents over the past decade. So, it's safe to say that the Democrats are pushing for a redistricting that reflects the state's rising Black population and gives them a fair chance of electing their preferred candidates. Absolutely, Michael. But it's not just about the districts. Senator Michael Rett, a Black Marietta Democrat, said he'll have a hard time explaining to his constituents why the Republicans' plans call for reducing the Black population in his district from 40% to 32%. This could potentially diminish his chances of getting reelected next year. And this is not just about one election. It's about the ability of minority voters to have significant influence in other elections. This is a contentious issue, and it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds in the coming days. From the political battlegrounds of Georgia, let's now turn our attention to a fascinating exchange that's been making headlines. It's being dubbed as the Great Red State versus Blue State Debate, and it involves two prominent figures in American politics, the governors of California and Florida. This debate has stirred up quite a bit of interest and controversy. Let's dive into the details. Abby, let's dive into the recent Great Red State versus Blue State debate between California Governor Gavin Newsom and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. A fascinating exchange, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, Michael. It was an unusual glimpse into an alternative political universe. Newsom, despite facing a Republican sparring partner and conservative-leaning questions, held his ground well, don't you think? Indeed. He served as a surrogate for Biden, defending his record on the economy, immigration, and more. But DeSantis didn't shy away from attacking Biden's administration, particularly on the U.S.-Mexico border issue. He did, Michael. 
But Newsom retorted with sharp criticisms, pointing to DeSantis's move of sending buses of migrants from the Texas border to Martha's Vineyard, calling it an attempt to out-Trump Trump. He also didn't miss the chance to sneer at DeSantis for mispronouncing Vice President Kamala Harris' name. Right, and Newsom didn't stop there. He accused DeSantis of shifting positions on key issues like immigration and environmental protections, possibly to appeal to his base for a potential presidential run. Yes, and it's interesting to see how DeSantis handled the debate. He used Newsom as a stand-in for Biden and tried to portray him as slick. But Newsom, being not a presidential candidate himself, had less to lose. True. And let's not forget the role of Sean Hannity, the debate's moderator. Despite pledging neutrality, the questions were largely designed to put Newsom on the defensive. But Newsom, he didn't back down, did he? Not at all. In fact, Newsom took the opportunity to pose his own questions to DeSantis, particularly on the contentious issue of abortion rights. DeSantis, however, avoided directly answering whether he would sign a national abortion ban into law. Right. And it's worth noting that despite the heated exchanges, neither Newsom nor DeSantis seemed to cooperate during the lightning round proposed by Hannity. It ended with both accusing each other of being bullies. Indeed, Michael. It's clear that this debate was less about presenting a clash of progressive and conservative ideas and more about personal attacks and defending their respective records. It leaves us wondering what's the real value of a debate like this. A valid question, Abby. While it might not have provided clear policy contrasts, it certainly gave us a glimpse into the current political climate and perhaps a preview of what's to come in 2024. From political debates to developing investigations, let's shift our focus to a serious matter unfolding in the Sunshine State. A high-profile figure within the Republican Party of Florida is currently under scrutiny. Here's what we know so far. Moving on to a developing story in Florida, Christian Ziegler, the chairman of the Republican Party of Florida, is currently under investigation by the Sarasota Police Department related to an allegation of sexual battery. Abby, what do we know so far? Well, Michael, this case is still very much in progress. Ziegler's attorney, Derek Byrd, assures that his client has been fully cooperative with the police. He's confident that Ziegler will be exonerated once the investigation concludes. That's a bold claim considering we don't know much about the details of the investigation. The report, which was obtained by CNN, is heavily redacted with only a few words like rape, sexual assault, and sexual battery visible. Yes, and it's worth noting that no charges have been filed yet. The Sarasota Police Department has kept details under wraps due to it being an active investigation. The alleged incident took place in early October, according to the victim. Ziegler and his wife, Bridget, are well-known figures in the Florida Republican political scene, aren't they? They've been quite influential under Florida GOP Governor Ron DeSantis. Indeed, Michael. Christian Ziegler's been in local politics for years, even serving as a county commissioner and state party vice chairman. Bridget Ziegler, on the other hand, has been a member of the Sarasota County School Board since 2014, winning re-election three times, the latest being in 2022, with DeSantis backing. And this scandal is shaking up the Republican Party of Florida, which is already dealing with internal divisions due to the GOP presidential primary. That's right, Michael. Despite the ongoing investigation, Ziegler continues to function as party chairman. 
The state party, however, has refrained from commenting on the investigation. And on the other side of the aisle, Florida Democratic Party chairwoman Nikki Freed is calling for Ziegler's immediate resignation. Yes, she stated that the allegations are severe and should be taken seriously, and that Ziegler can't possibly continue to lead the Florida GOP under these conditions. It's a complex situation, and we'll be keeping a close eye on the developments. The impact of this investigation on Florida's political landscape could be significant.